Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 49. I want to talk to you about being living on target. Living on target. You know, we, uh, we make choices in, in life that can, as uh, the Bible says, that where we miss the mark. But that's not the end, if you won't let it be the end. God has a way of turning our mess into a message, making things right. He's done it in my life time and time again, and I'm continually amazed at his faithfulness to make sure that my situation, I know that you can attest to this too, otherwise you wouldn't be here how he has a genius way of making it all work for good. It, it, he does it in such a way and so effortlessly that it almost seems like he planned it all along. Yeah. But what the enemy has meant for destruction, God says, oh, I can do something wonderful with this. Yeah. He never thinks, oh, it's over. Uh, well, the devil won that one. No, he doesn't think like that. He doesn't ever think. He doesn't give up. Matter of fact, he never sleeps. And so he's always got his eyes on us. And he has a plan, doesn't he? God has a plan. And he has made us, according to this verse that we're about to read, a powerful instrument in his hand that when we yield to his plan, we hit the bullseye. We live on target. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9, before we read Isaiah 49, verses 9 and 10 says, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. That used to be true. He's, he's quoting from the Old Testament here, and, and, and that's, that was the, the reality. No eye has seen, no, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them. But then Paul t- brings us into this New Testament that because of what Jesus has done for us. Now look how the Spirit works. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. In other words, the mystery is no longer a mystery. The secret's out. God is revealing everything about Himself to anybody who will hear Him. And the spirit of the living God is one who is revealing those things to us. Even the deep things of God, the the secret places of God, the spirit wants you to understand those things. And he wants you to understand the will of the Lord is not some mysterious thing. As as a matter of fact, we need to know it so that we can get it accomplished here in the earth as his body. All right, so we're in on it. Isaiah 49, 2, knowing that, it says, And he has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he has hidden me and made me a polished shaft, or literally it means arrow, a polished arrow in his quiver, he has hidden me. Wow. So this verse of scripture, as you can see by the capital me and my, that this actually is a scripture foretelling of Jesus. It's a, what we call a messianic passage of Scripture. And as you read further in this chapter, you see that it is definitely speaking of him. But it's also talking about Israel, what God's plan was for Israel. God wanted to make Israel to be the shining star in the earth. Amen. Uh, a, a people that were set apart. Uh, 
uh, to his glory, to his purpose. But it also has a very personal application as the prophet is speaking as though he is Christ speaking. So this is where all of us can learn something from this. In this, this polished arrow, a polished arrow, which means a finished work. And he made me a polished arrow, it says, in his hands. All right? So when we submit and put our lives in his hands, then we can get the finest kind of life that we could ever imagine. There was a man that was shopping with his wife uh, during Christmas, and they had, they had made a plan uh, to, to go separate and buy gifts for different members of the family, but then come back two hours later, they had this meeting spot. Well, two hours went by. The husband bought all the gifts he needed to, and he comes to the meeting spot, and his wife's nowhere to be found. He wasn't terribly surprised by this because she was an avid shopper, but he waited patiently around. He waited another half hour. And she didn't show up. So he goes looking for her. And he, he's to, to the stores he thinks that she might be at, the, the stores he knows that she likes. And so he's going into this store and that store and that, this store and can't find her anywhere. And finally he comes across this beautiful blonde woman sitting on a bench. And he goes over to her and he says, talk to me right now, real quick. She says, why? He says, because I can't find my wife. I've looked for her everywhere in this mall. I can't find her. She says, well, what am I going to do about that? I don't know where your wife is. He said, because every time I talk to a beautiful woman, my wife shows up. <laughs> that has nothing to do with the sermon. I just came out <laughs> randomly. The arrow, an arrow has three parts to it. It has the, the point, it has the, sh the shaft itself, and then it has the fletch. I was telling the early service when I was a kid, we used to try to make our own bows and arrows. Anybody else do, do, do that too? Yeah, my brother and I, because we were so close in age, we're only about a year apart, so we'd be out in the woods all the time behind my grandparents' house in southern Oklahoma when we were boys, and, and so we, were, we would look for things to kill each other with. <laughs> get, a, get a stick, take a shoelace off, make a, make a bow, you know, and then find as straight a stick as we could and maybe whittle the end off. That's when, that's when boys just wore pocket, had pocket knives in their pockets all the time, you know, and, and uh, make a sharp end on that and then aim it at each other. The, the good thing about it, it was that the arrow didn't fly well. So many times it, we missed the target more than we hit it. So that's why I'm still alive today, standing here preaching. But but the reason it didn't fly well is because it was missing that key ingredient, the fletch, the little feathers on the end of it. That's what gives the arrow its, its guidance. Your life can either be governed by you or be governed by the Spirit. And if you'll allow the Spirit of God to be the fletch in your life, to be the one who's guiding you, your life's going to go in a lot better direction. And you'll always be on target. Always. You know, we could, let's just admit it. Why is it that we would let the Spirit of God be the one to control it? Because He's the one who's most capable. He's the one who can do a lot better job than we can. Yeah. Yeah. I've never gone wrong following the Spirit. Like following Eric Holler, that's a whole other story. Yeah. My own thinking, my own believing sometimes has taken me what I felt like it was the right thing. Turned out it was stupid. Because we have this innate sense, thanks to Adam, of the knowledge of good and evil. But, I mean, just look around you. What some call evil, some call good. What some call good, some call evil. Are we not living in this extreme today? 
I think it's called madness. <laughs> That's why we need the Spirit of God who shows us, reveals us the things of God yeah. to keep our lives on target. If you get on an airplane and you're sitting in the seat and you look up there to the cockpit and there is an eight-year-old kid sitting in the pilot seat, are you going to be excited about that flight? No. Not really. Because you want, you're hoping that the person who's sitting in that seat is the one most capable of flying this thing. It wouldn't do you any, I mean, it, it would shake me up if I hear the, pa, the, the pastor, the pilot come on the intercom and say, folks, uh, uh, we'll, we'll be taking off here in just a few minutes as soon as I can figure out what all these dials and knobs are about. No, you want the person who's most capable and the Holy Spirit of God is the most capable one to guide your life. And your life can go off course real fast. You know, there are a lot of people who are just living uh, a life with nobody at the controls. They're, they're, they're living kind of an aimless life, not understanding that they're heading for some kind of awful experience because no one's guiding them. There's several years ago, a third world country where a, a, they found themselves in a predicament on this airplane. I mean, it was a beautiful day and everything looked normal. The pilot, once they got up to their desired altitude, he takes off out of the cockpit to go mingle with some of the people, uh, the passengers. And so co-pilot's there. Well, about five minutes later, after he's been gone, the co-pilot decides he needs to use the restroom. No big deal. We've got autopilot. Puts the plane on autopilot. He gets out of the cockpit, goes to the restroom. But unbeknownst to him and the, the pilot, nobody had, had communicated to them that the ground crew the day before had put a self-locking uh, mechanism on the door to the cockpit. So when the door shut, there was no way to get in. Nobody had a key. Co-pilot goes to the door. He's trying to open it. He, you know, tries to keep calm and go to the pilot. Hey, let's get back up to the front of the plane. So he gets up there and, and they can't figure out what's going on. The man toward the back is watching this happen. And so he deduces that there's a problem. Fortunately, in that country back then, the uh, security wasn't all that secure and he was able to smuggle a hatchet into his carry-on luggage. So he offered the assistance of his hatchet, and they literally hacked their way through that door to get to the, the, their seats and land the, plane, land the plane safely. But in, in a moment, in a moment before all that happened, if somebody on the ground's watching that plane fly, they don't see any foreseeable issues. None of the passengers see any foreseeable issues. But when nobody's at the controls, there's going to be an issue. And the Spirit of God is here to guide us into all truth. And Jesus said, he will also show you things to come. In other words, you'll never live your life in the dark. You'll always be in the know because the Spirit of God is the one who's revealing it to you. Amen. God, say his is the plan. His is the plan. At the end of the day, it is his plan. You didn't make yourself. An arrow doesn't make itself, and it has no choice about how it flies. But you do have a choice. He's given you the choice to either be led by the Spirit or not. And I highly recommend be led by the Spirit. But sometimes his choice, I mean, his plan it takes us to places that we didn't expect. Right? Yeah. 
Paul had been called by God to go preach the gospel. So he goes and preaches, going to go back to these cities that he had been at before where they had established some churches up in Asia. He's got uh, Timothy with him and some other people, Luke and Silas. And so they get to this one city and the Spirit says, no, not here. So he goes somewhere else and the Spirit says, no, not here. So he goes to another town. No, not here. Can you imagine? Timothy has just joined this team and this leader doesn't have a clue where he's going. Not only that, he had, <laughs> he had just been freshly circumcised thanks to this leader so that there wouldn't be a stumbling block to preach to the Jews. So now they get down to a place called Troas, what we would know as Troy, and there Paul has a vision. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. This is in Acts chapter 16. And, this, and a man from Macedonia, Macedonia is west of there. Paul had no idea that his mission would go west. So a man from Macedonia said, come over and help us. And so Luke said, when Paul saw the vision, immediately we sought to go. We concluded the Lord had called us to go. He got the vision. Finally, we got some direction. So they take off. They get to Macedonia, to the innermost city, which is a city called Philippi. And there, usually uh, Paul would go to a synagogue first because he had a heart for his own people. What, you know, even in Romans 1, 17, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, the gospel's priest, right? So he always went to his own people. Well, there was no synagogue there, uh, but there was a prayer meeting down by a, a river, and these, these women were praying down there. Well, Paul goes down there, and they all pray together, and he meets this one particular woman named Lydia. And Lydia, uh, the Bible says, was a seller of purple. In other words, she had a high-class clientele, more than likely, mostly royalty, because purple was very hard to come by at that time. But she was one who sold it. And so she took it upon herself to finance Paul's ministry. Hey, that's a good start, isn't it? How many of you know that when good things happen, you go, yeah, the Lord is on my side. Oh, yeah, the Lord. Right? God is good. And it, it, you should say all those things because it's true. So, man, things are going good. And then as they're going about preaching, there's this young lady. And she gets on their bandwagon. She starts announcing because people know her very well. Do you know why they know her? Because she is the town's fortune teller. Tarot card read, reader. And so they, but she has these people who are making a lot of profit on her divination. And so because she has some kind of voice in this community, now she's saying stuff about Paul and Silas and them saying things like this. These are men of God. They show us the way of salvation. Is there anything wrong with her saying that? No, I mean, it sounds right. It sounds pretty good, you know. I'm sure Paul's like, awesome. But after a while, she kept on and kept on, day after day after day. She's falling. These men are the men of God. They show us the way of salvation. And Paul finally figured out, okay, wait a second, wait a second. This girl's got the wrong spirit going on. It says, and Paul, greatly annoyed, <laughs> turned around and commanded that spirit to come out of her, and she got set free. Something interesting happened, though. Her pimps didn't like this. They got upset. Now their profit's gone. So they go to the magistrates of the city, report it to them. Now all of a sudden, Paul and Silas get dragged in to this accusation. And they get beat for it and thrown in prison. This is where I would go, did I hear God? I mean, surely Paul was tempted to Asked that question. I mean, he had the vision and got the financing and saw that girl get set free. And now he's in the bottom of a prison, beat up. Like, what, what just happened? Strange, isn't it? But God was not behind that. Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have trouble. That's just part of living in the world. You're going to find trouble. 
uh, tell you where God showed up because God is always the one who's here to bring us the victory, to lead us in triumph. Now, Paul and Silas could have been upset. They could have just crumpled and felt sorry for themselves and, and, and made the terrible mistake of saying, we missed God. But instead, they praised him. And the Bible says that they lifted up their voice and began to sing praises to God and giving him thanks. And the other prisoners were listening to him. And so all those guys were like, these are no ordinary prisoners. And it got God's attention so much, he got so excited about their praise that an earthquake happened. And the prison doors opened up and the chains fell off of their, their hands and feet. And, and when the jailer saw all of this, after, the, you know, kind of the dust is settling, he thinks, oh my God, the, my life's over. Because if you lose prisoners, you die. And so he turned his sword on himself to take his own life. And Paul tells him, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Everybody's still here. All the men are accounted for. There's no reason to take your life. So the man runs into the prison, hits his knees before Paul and Silas and says, what must I do to be saved? Whoa. And Paul says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and all your house will be saved. And at that moment, the man took Paul and Silas into his own house and dressed their wounds from their beating. And Paul and Silas preached to them and all of them got saved. There's the plan of God. Don't worry about being in a circumstance that's not familiar to you or difficult. This is the time to lift your voice and give him praise. When you yourself are in darkness, you yourself don't understand the situation. You see what you see and that's it. But look up because your redemption draws nigh. Look to him. Because God will, God's plan is still intact. Amen. Can I get a better amen than I just got? Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Also, not only is his the plan, but his is the process. I've got a couple more minutes, I'll, you know, we'll close up today. But his is the process. Process is, is painful sometimes, isn't it? Stressful. It's, uh, it's full of uncertainty at times. But God knows what it's going to take. The process is different for every person. Anybody here deal with impatience? Hmm? Yeah. They say that about pediatricians, that they have little patience. Thank you. So God's going to work on your patience, isn't he? I heard a guy say one time that the Lord is never late, but he sure does pass up a lot of good opportunities to be early. <laughs> God has a process for you, and it's going to take time. I, I told our 930 service I was holding Tessa in my lap the other day, and she has these little lipstick things that she likes to play with, and they're square, and they snap into one another, so it makes one. And, and so she's sitting in my lap, and she's got these things, and she's trying to make them fit. She starts getting frustrated about it. And she just kind of tosses them down, you know, like a fit. Like <clears throat> it's amazing how quickly that, that uh, Adam's nature shows up in such an early age. So I, I, I said, it's okay, let me help you. And so I, I put my hands on her hands, 
and showed her how to snap them together. And then she'd look up at me, and I'd break them apart, hold her hands, snap them back together. And then I said, you do it. You do it, Tess. "Mm." So she's trying to grab my hands to get them back on her hands. So I'd do it once or twice more. I'd say, okay, now you try it. And then she'd try to put them together. And they're square, but she was turning them sideways. So they were, and then she'd just throw them down. I'll pick them up and say, you can do it. Come on. Well, before long, she was doing it. Well, the first time she did it, I mean, I cheered that girl. Yeah, way to go. You snapped two lipsticks together. You're going to change the world. So she broke them apart. She put them back together. And she's like, your turn. Yeah. So we played that game for a while. Now she just walks around the house doing this all the time process. It takes process. God is here to help you in the process. Let me just say this to you. No doubt you are a work in process, but you are also a finished work already. He who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. But the Bible says who he justified, he also glorified. Now we know that we're not glorified yet because we're still here. But some, someday that's going to happen. But in God's mind, the work is done. He's already finished it. Mm-hmm. That's good to know, isn't it? He's the author and the finisher of our faith. So you can just know, all right, his, his is the process, and we're going to walk this thing out because in the end, it's going to be good. And we've got to stay yielded in his hand and not deceive ourselves and think that we're the ones who are making this happen. As a matter of fact, the arrow has no, no power in and of itself, does it? It derives all of its power from the arm of the archer. And since his is the power, his is also the final product. I want to finish with this story. Jay Tucker was a missionary, and he was on his third term in Africa. Um, Back then it was called Zaire, but it's modern-day Congo. And um, a few weeks later, he was dead. A civil war, actually a revolution had started at that time there uh, with the people, and he was one of the victims of it. This angry African mob had dragged Mr. Tucker from his home to the town square and they danced on his body until he was dead. First tying him up in his hands and his feet and then beat him over the head with a bottle. And so when he hit the ground, they danced on him until he was dead. Then they picked up his lifeless body and drove him up to a bridge and threw him in the Congo River where ravenous crocodiles ate him. That river flows through a tribe called the Mangbektu tribe. This tribe had never been uh, changed by the gospel. The gospel could not, they could not penetrate that area with the gospel. There have been several missionaries that tried to get it there, uh, but they had nothing but total resistance, no success. But now because of this revolution, the Zairean government had sent a big stalwart African uh, uh, police officer or policeman. I mean, they said that he was, you know, like the Texas Rangers, you know, if there's ever a skirmish, all you need is one Ranger, he'll take care of it. This is that kind of reputation this man had. They called him the Brigadier. So he was sent there to keep the peace. But what they didn't know was that three months prior, the Brigadier had come to know the Lord Jesus Christ through this missionary by the name of Jay Tucker. Gotten saved. Well, when he gets there to you know, keep the peace. 
He also now as a Christian has a heart for them to become saved, to know Christ, but he knows very little. He he doesn't know much Bible. uh, And so he starts praying and saying, Lord, help me reach these people. What do I do? Because he he knew that they were completely resistant to the gospel. And and so he just started studying their culture, started reading their, their material and learning about their history. And he came across this interesting phrase that stood out to him. And in one of their books, it says, we will always hear from a, words from a, we'll always hear words from someone whose blood has been spilled in our river. And he said, that's it. And so he called them together, called the chiefs together, and he read their, their quote to them, and he says, I'm here to speak on behalf of that man. He can't be here because he's dead. But he gave me words, and I'm going to give you his words. And they sat and listened intently as he told them that Christ died for their sins and that he was buried and that he rose again from the dead the third day. And that entire village gave their hearts to Jesus. As a matter of fact, today, actually, I think it was, uh, let's see, what year was that? 2014 is the last year that I saw, last report. They have calculated that there are almost now 600,000 believers in the Mongbetu tribe. Now, there are many who would have looked at Jay Tucker's life and thought, what a waste. But I have a feeling God said something different, something like bullseye. Your life will always be on target if you'll just follow the spirit of the living God. Because he is going to take you into that which is good. And he can be trusted to do it because God is good and he only does good. Amen. I'm looking forward to a new year. Father, we thank you that with you, your mercies are brand new every day. With you, there's always newness. Thank you that you are our provider. You are the one who guides us into all truth, the one who teaches us all things. And so, Lord, this year, may we be more spirit-led and spirit-filled than we've ever experienced before. Thank you, Lord, that you're truly able to turn these troubles and challenges into something very good. So knowing that about you, we trust you. We we set our hearts and our minds on you, and, and we yield to you. May we all be the arrow yielded to the archer, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in our lives and in our families and wherever we go. Thank you, Father God, that you're a very present help in times of trouble. There are people here today, God, who are in trouble in their life. They have some issue going on or several issues. Whatever that may be, nothing is too hard for you. And I thank you, Lord, for giving them wisdom and guidance and that you would guard them and guide them with your peace that passes all understanding, that the peace of God would guard their hearts and minds through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, I thank you that you are their provider, no doubt. You provide all of our needs. You supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, you sent your word and also you healed them and you delivered them from their destruction. Whatever they have need of, God, you are the answer and you have the answer. And I thank you, Lord, for blessing them and making their way prosperous that they may find good success in the matchless name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for the great message. 
that changed our lives. That wonderful news that Christ died for our sins so that we don't have to die from our sins. You died for our sins. And you were buried in a tomb and you, were, you rose again the third day from the dead and you are alive forevermore. Today, if you have not received Christ into your life as your personal Lord and Savior, let me compel you to do that even now. Give your life to Him. Accept that Jesus died for your sins. Receive that free gift. And just understand that with Him comes eternal life. Because this life is here today and gone tomorrow. It's extremely temporary. But heaven is forever. And He wants you there with Him. And He's made a way for you and I to be free from our sins and to come into a wonderful relationship with God. Not just as our God or as our boss, but no, as our Father. Our Father in heaven. Jesus made a way for us all to be sons and daughters of God. So believe on Him today and receive Him. Thank you, Father, for blessing this service and blessing your people in the mighty name of Jesus. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you, and may He cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and all of your house and give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.